We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast presented by Smart Bracket. Check out Smart Bracket IO. Still got some time to make those final tweaks to your NCAA tournament bracket. Uh, tournament play, of course, gets underway on Thursday morning. Uh, Alex, we have a couple news items we want to get to. Then we will finish up our latest tour of the league with the Eastern Conference. We'll do a few minutes on each team going in order of record. Uh, but as I mentioned, with the NCAA tournament, it does start on Thursday. What is your level of interest uh, on average in the tournament? And I know it's a little different for you and I this year with our beloved Wisconsin Badgers uh, declining a tournament invite and instead <laughs> uh, choosing to play in the NIT. Yes, of course. Um, I, I'm i just not that much of a college basketball guy, to be honest with you. Like I, I'll, I'll hop in like some college basketball pools. Like I have one with, mm-hmm. you know, I got invited by one of my family members. So I'll hop in that. And obviously I've, I have interest at that point, but and if there's top draft prospects, I want to, you know, I, I want to see how they do against the the best teams. But other than that, no, I, I don't care that much. I know you're more of a college guy though, right? Like you, you, or is that faded? Nah, it, it's definitely faded. It's faded. I'm not proud of it. I, I used to be college over NBA every day of the week until probably like 2010. I think it was the Brandon Jennings bucks that really drew me back into the <laughs> NBA. That was the turning point, but no, it, it's really hard to do both. Uh, especially because, you know, the first few months of the college basketball season also overlap with the NFL season. And I'm, I'm a huge NFL and college football fan. So you have to pick your spots. Um, and it, it is interesting because I, I feel like most people who we encounter, you know, in, in our space, you know, covering basketball and fantasy basketball, I, I think it's more common to, to have it go your way where you kind of have to pick your side between college basketball and the NBA. And that, that doesn't mean you have to come out and say, oh, college basketball is trash or college basketball fans saying the NBA is unwatchable. All they do is travel. Uh, I'm not saying that at all, but I, I think it, it's becoming more and more difficult to feel like you're a quote unquote expert on on both of these sports going on simultaneously. You kind of have to pick a side. 
Yeah, and I'm only being paid to cover one of these leagues. So uh, <laughs> if I have to pick one to put most of my attention in, it will be the NBA. Yeah. Well, and even for the draft, uh, like last year was was somewhat unique because we did have a bunch of college players go at the top. You know, like Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari yeah. Smith, uh, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey. Those were like the five biggest names in college basketball last year. Uh, and you could even add, you know, Ben Matherin on top of that. But if you go back to 2021, I mean, three of the top seven picks were not college basketball players. And, you know, some of those guys like Kate Cunningham didn't even make the tournament or I think they were banned from postseason play. I don't, I don't really remember, but there's not, there's not nearly as much of a correlation between, okay, the best college player is going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Like that, that kind of slowed down a long time ago. It did. And we got guys, obviously more overseas guys than ever. And a lot more G league guys, you know, yep. Scoot Henderson, this season is, is pretty much, I think a lot to go top three at this point. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, when it comes to, like, um, draft season, I do a lot of cramming. I read a lot of scouting reports. I try to find, like, most of the top recruits – or not recruits. Most of the top draft picks, like, their best games or, like mm-hmm. – you know, some guys put out, like, 15-minute uh, plus and minuses videos, and I, I love stuff like that, and I try to make yeah. my own opinion off of that, um, which is obviously, you know – it's I don't have the kind of knowledge of somebody who watches it all year, but to an extent, I also feel like I'm, I'm not blinded by like, um, the sort of who, who has been leading these, you know, like leading the, the mock drafts all season in a way. Like I, I just kind of look at the scouting reports and make my Mm -hmm. own opinions. Well, we have a unique situation with this draft because I think if, if the draft took place like next week, I think four of the top five picks would not be playing in the NCAA tournament. And the, the exception, of course, would be Brandon Miller at Alabama. But you, you have the Thompson twins, you have Scoot Henderson, you have, of course, Wembenyama at the top. Uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who watches college basketball from an NBA draft perspective, I, I think the feeling like you need to be locked in on every game, that, that's kind of fading because, you know, we, we still have a ton of, uh, you know, college players who are making up most of the first round. Uh, but I, I don't know, I, it feels like you're not exactly like, watching the future of the NBA in the same way that you used to. No, no, not at all. Let's talk John Morant before we get into the East. We we have another update and finally a, a pretty definitive update. The most definitive update that we've received since the start of this entire situation. He has officially been suspended by the NBA. And this could not have been put out in a more confusing fashion for people <laughs> right. like us who have to like set return dates and determine IR statuses and things of that nature so they said, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, that he was suspended for eight games, but then it was quickly clarified that he's already served some of the, that time. They're, they're basically giving him time served. So he's only suspended for three more games, which means he will officially be eligible to play as soon as Monday against the Dallas Mavericks. However, he's not expected to be ready at that time because he hasn't been playing basketball for the last few weeks. Yes, you have, you have that right. Um, I think they're they're retroactively not paying him for those games he's he's missed. I don't know what the situation was there, but it's been that's been clarified now. Yeah, so technically available on Monday, but I think an absolute best case scenario would him would be him playing next Wednesday, and that even seems like you're pushing it. But that's just what we're going to put on the RotoWire website until we hear more because we kind of have no other choice. Um, but yeah, if he hasn't played basketball for this long. You know, I mean, when guys try to come back from COVID after not having played for a week or two, sometimes it, it takes them a while to ramp up. So, um, you know, again, if Ja doesn't play until last week of March or even maybe like first game in April, 
I think that that's still on the table. Absolutely. I, I think we'll, we'll see what kind of ramp up program he requires. Uh, you know, they, they play three games in the next four nights here. So suspension wise, I guess that's a good thing that the schedule is a little more condensed. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the expectation is widely that he will not play Monday. Maybe, maybe Wednesday against Houston. I, I think that's fairly unlikely as well. They play Houston again on Friday, the 24th, that could be a possibility. Uh, but I, I think it's at least looking very, very likely, if not definite that he's, he's going to play for a couple weeks at the end of the season here. So, you know, you and I were talking on the radio earlier this morning about, do you drop John Morant? You know, what do you expect going forward? What's realistic? I, I kind of need to walk back what I said on, on XM. Like I, I was saying, you got to drop him. Like, I, I just don't see the, the reason for optimism. There's been no updates. Well, an hour later, we, we got that update. And now I, I think you could probably count on John Morant playing somewhere b- between like seven and nine games the rest of the way. I think so. Yeah, I would. This is all just pure speculation. I would guess that they don't bring him back for either of the Houston games because why bother? It's Houston. Um, mm-hmm. And you can have him ramp up and maybe you, you bring him back against Atlanta on the road on Sunday um, or, or against Orlando at home. But yeah, I mean, don't you can't drop him at this point now that we know that there's a legit possibility that he comes back next week. It's possible. Again, mm-hmm. maybe don't bank on it until the following Sunday. But, um, you know, but the, the part of the problem is now, ironically, uh, he's not IR eligible anymore in a lot of leagues because he's now suspended. And suspended players are technically not IR eligible in, in tons of leagues. Yep. And then once Monday comes around that he will be IR eligible again. So like... You got to do a lot of, you got to look at your individual situations and determine whether or not it's, it's the right thing to do. But I think you would be best served hanging on to him. Yes. At this point. I think it might work out. Okay. Because you know, he's, he's currently not IR eligible. So I guess in, in some leagues you'll have to pull him out of that spot for a couple of days, but after Saturday's game against golden state is when he officially becomes eligible. So if we're talking like setting lineups starting Monday, the 20th, he, he should be back to IR eligibility. I guess at that point, <laughs> Uh, we'll try to pull back the curtain here. Like for our purposes, he will move from a suspended player to we'll either mark him as out for like personal reasons or not injury related, but he will be IR eligible for what will be what week 22 of the fantasy season in most leagues. So yeah, I, I think, you know, you're, you're probably either way, even, you know, even if you can't put him in an IR spot for whatever reason, you're not going to put him in your starting lineup, especially in a weekly league, you know, maybe he comes back next Friday and you could plug him in in a daily league, um, but you're not putting him in your lineup anyway. I think ideally you're able to plug him back in for week 23, which begins Monday, the 27th. Uh, you, you could get four games that week. And then, you know, the Grizzlies also have four games the final week of the fantasy season, but who knows? I mean, at that point, maybe they'll have a seed locked up and, and they'll just be worried about, you know, health preservation. Yeah. And it, right. It's possible. There's some resting down the stretch and he doesn't play 30 minutes right away. Um, that's possible. Either way. Very good news overall. I, I, yeah. I think there was definitely a possibility in my mind that he was just done for the year and this situation could, could have gotten uglier and, you know, we, it, I, I, anything was on the table. Uh, so the fact that we are now in a essentially return to play uh, situation to, to me, I, I think it's, it's really, really good news for Memphis and really good news for John. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they've been able to survive without him. So their seating is still, you know, like they're only three games in the loss column behind Denver right now for the one seed. Denver's been slipping. So they're, I think they're just going to end up surviving. All right, let's get to the East. Uh, you have the odd numbered seeds. I have the even. That means you begin with the Milwaukee Bucks. 
The Bucks, who are in first place at 50 and 19, um, have only lost two games since January 21st. Um, they dropped a game when Giannis was out on March 11th to the Warriors. That was sort of highly publicized. It was like, this is a great win for Golden State. Um, cool, you beat the Bucks without Giannis. Uh, and then they lost to Philly before that in a very bizarre game. I, I watched that game. It was just, yep. there's a game of runs. Uh, Giannis was struggling at points, but after missing three straight, Giannis is back for two games, monster games against Sacramento and Phoenix. Uh, Lopez got into that scuffle with Trey Lyles. Um, if people, if people care Lyles, about Lyles that, ended up getting suspended. He did. Lyles got, uh, Lyles got one game suspension for that, uh, which is a little surprising that nothing got announced for Lopez, but uh, I think he got a fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, this team has just kind of been, they've been business as usual. Crowder's looks fine. Um, Ingles is, I, I think Ingles has looked really good lately. Adds a new, um, uh, a new wrinkle to the team that I think they were missing. And I, I have more confidence in the Bucks bench than I have in, in previous campaigns. Ingles was fantastic last night against Phoenix and we can, we can throw a little asterisk on that win for Milwaukee, you know, no Kevin Durant for Phoenix, but no Middleton, no Grayson Allen for the Bucks either. So they were missing a couple pieces. I think it was Eric name from the athletic uh, said that Ingles and Chris Paul were involved in a grift off uh, throughout the entire night, which is the perfect way to describe what was going on. Like <laughs> we had some double flopping. We had a, a ton of complaining, uh, you know, Devin Booker was, was kind of going at it with Jay Crowder at the end of the first half. Uh, might have been end of the third quarter after hitting a, a shot at the buzzer, but either way, it's still a good win for the Bucks. I mean, I, I think if you're a Suns fan, you're saying, yeah, well, we'll see what happens when we have KD. Sure. That's a pretty fair argument. Uh, but this was second night of a back-to-back, you know, road, West coast road trip yeah. for the Bucks, you know, played a played late uh, on, on Tuesday or on Monday night, you know, getting in, in a very similar game against Sacramento. Um, these are the type of games that that really good teams win. And uh, you know, I, I still, I still do wish they had like one more high end piece, but your point about the bench stands. I mean, they have built, I think probably the deepest roster in the league right now. Uh, I guess the question is how much does that matter in the playoffs? Because it's, it's all well and good when you feel good, you feel great about, you know, we're 11, 12 deep, everybody can play. You're not playing that many guys in the playoffs. It matters, I think for versatility. And I think that's where the bucks have done a really good job in getting a good variety of bench players like Portis is a staple. Um, but Hey, if you need some playmaking, you know, you, you throw Ingles out there, you need some like guard defense. There's more Javon Carter. You need some size on the wing. You, you throw Jay Crowder out there. So I think a lot of these guys are going to get situational run in the playoffs. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of these guys have those sort of expectations that we have. We talk about with other teams where it's like all these guys are expecting to play 20 minutes a game. I think a lot of these guys for the bucks, know that there might be some games where they play eight minutes. There might be some games where they play 25 minutes. That's kind of just what they sign up for by, by being, you know, part of this team's bench. We are excited to thank the sponsor of this podcast supported intelligence for their generous support with smart bracket, their innovative decision-making tool. You could gain an edge in your bracket predictions. It's available on the app store, Google play, or on the web. You could find out more at smartbracket.io. Supported Intelligence has developed advanced technology to help people make better decisions. Their rapid recursive methodology allows you to solve even the most complex decision problems, whether in your personal or professional life. Supported Intelligence can help you tackle business decisions just as it can work to improve your bracket. Supported Intelligence has been leading the way 
and development of cutting edge technology. And with their custom solutions, you can address your unique decision problems and improve business outcomes with their proprietary AI technology platform. Don't wait. Check out smartbracket.io today to take your bracket to the next level and make sure you use our coupon code podcast. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T podcast to save today. The Boston Celtics, 47 and 22, now a full three games behind Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. And look, I mean, the way Milwaukee's rolling right now, it doesn't feel like they're going to give that up anytime soon. Uh, you know, it's not like Boston has been terrible. I mean, I, I think they were they were so hot, especially to begin the year. Uh, like the bench, the shooting off the bench was just wild. Like they had like five guys shooting 40 plus percent from three. That has regressed. I think that's led to some issues. They, they lost a couple overtime games last week, back-to-back nights. They went into double overtime against the Knicks, lost that game. And then the next night went into overtime against the Cavs, lost that game. The Houston loss on Monday, that, that is alarming yeah. to me. I, I think you can you can find excuses for the other ones. You know, the, those happen over the course of 82 games. Uh, and I know Boston was was missing some guys, but Houston was missing Shangoon. Uh, and it, it felt to me like a game where Boston was messing around, messing around, messing around. And then finally, you know, they, they had a late run. You felt like they were they were just going to kind of snatch a win uh, from the jaws of defeat. And they couldn't do it. I mean, Jason Tatum missed a layup. It was well contested at the end of that game. And you could kind of see him looking around like, oh, wow, we, we actually lost this game. I, I think it, it looked to me like you know, guys like Tatum and Brown, it never occurred to them that they could actually lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these games inevitably happen late in the year, right? Yeah. Um, like it's hard to sort of turn the switch on mid-game when it's been off um yeah but other than that i mean they've they've been fine yeah that's a tough loss for them but they've been i mean they the biggest thing for them right now um and if you want to point to okay they're they're 47 and 22 they've been missing rob williams for a while he's missed was this five straight games and um not exactly clear when he's going to be back obviously he's such a big part of their team but they've only got 28 games out of him all year he's just never healthy the last update we had on Robert Williams was earlier today. Uh, the indication is he could return in five to seven days. So that likely means he misses at least three more games. They play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday this week. So he could come back Tuesday at Sacramento. Uh, but that's at the tail end of a long road trip. I would say it's more likely that he plays maybe Friday uh, against Indiana. That's going to matter a lot more in the playoffs for sure. Uh, but I, I think right now, Boston, like their, their main priority maybe isn't chasing Milwaukee for the one seed, but just staying ahead of Philly for the number two seed. Because going into tonight, the Sixers are one game back all of a sudden. Yeah, let's let's just um, let's keep it rolling with the 76ers then. Um, they they've been pretty good lately. They've won. What is this like four or five in a row? Um, and some I mean, some big wins, too. They've been smacking teams like. They beat Washington 112-93. They beat Minnesota 117-94. Um, back on March 1st, they beat Miami 119-96. Um, they've looked great lately, man. I Embiid, <laughs> Embiid's stretch of games over the past over the past five games, Embiid has averaged 37 points, seven boards, which is weird. His rebounding's been down. I'm not really sure what, why that is, but five assists. As well, 2.2 blocks, 1.2 steals. He's been ridiculous. Hargan's looked really good and consistent lately. Maxi continues to be a bit up and down. Um, you know, Tobias Harris is a bit up and down. But honestly, as long as Embiid and Hargan have this this level of chemistry and consistently uh, consistency, the the sort of 
um, secondary players having inconsistent games is just not that big of a uh, big of a deal for them. Has Milwaukee officially eclipsed uh, Boston to you as the, the the title favorite in the Eastern Conference? I know the odds have, have finally flipped. And then where does Philly kind of slot in in that hierarchy? I think Milwaukee, to me, definitively at this point, should be favored over Boston. Um, and I think Boston should be marginally over Philly, but I don't... I think I'm relatively high on Philly. I think it's easy for us to forget last year that Boston barely got through Milwaukee when Milwaukee didn't have Chris Middleton and they barely got through the hospital heat mm-hmm. on their way to the NBA finals. Um, so I don't know how much, I think they've carried over a lot of pedigree that I don't know is necessarily, I want to say it's not deserved, but they didn't like run through the East last year by any means. And I think top end talent wise, Philly has more with, with him beating Harden. Some of that depends on how you feel about like Jalen Brown for, for Boston. But um, you know, Philly coming, you know, Philly being in the Eastern conference finals over Boston. That's like, not even, that would not be shocking to me at all. That feels like completely as realistic as Boston being there. It certainly seems like we're on a collision course right now uh, with those two teams. I mean, Philly has three games separating it from the four seed Cavs. So I, I think as of right now, it's highly likely that the Bucks are the one. Boston, Philly, that could finish in any order, two, three. And I, I mean, I think it's important, right, to get home court in that series. I, I think you you want the, the first two at home, of course, but I think you really want game seven on your home floor. Like that that feels like it could be a seven-game series pretty easily. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The Cleveland Cavaliers, 44 and 27. They are the four seed in the Eastern Conference. That feels like that's where they've been for like the entire year at this point. Uh, the Knicks have mounted a charge, you know, cooled off a little bit lately. They're three games back. Brooklyn is four games back. I, I think, again, pretty likely that the Cavs finish in that four spot, and that would likely mean uh, a meeting with with one of those New York teams in round one. Uh, you know, Knicks-Cavs would be a really fun series. I, I think the Cavs take care of the Nets. Um, I, I think they'd probably beat the Knicks, but it would be really close. Um, and, and then the Cavs are, are probably looking at Milwaukee in round two. Uh, don't, don't have a ton to say about Cleveland. They've been really, really steady. excuse me, the entire season, Uh, a couple of injuries here and there, like Jared Allen is going to miss his third straight game with an eye injury tonight. doesn't seem like anything super long-term. You know, Darius Garland missed a game over the weekend. He's come back. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, of course, having a fantastic season, did not play on Tuesday, but he will play uh, tonight against Philadelphia. Where do you think Donovan Mitchell slots in on all NBA, by the way? Like is, can he get to first team or is he locked in on second or third? Oh man, uh, I haven't I haven't given that a too much of a thought. It's going to be wild. I think we're going to have a really unique set of all NBA teams this year with so many injuries. Yeah, the injuries part is going to be hard to sparse out. I think he deserves to be on an all NBA team. I would be surprised if he didn't make one, right? I think he'll make one. I'm just saying, which one? Oh, I I don't know. Have you thought about this more? I, I have. I've thought about it a little bit. Uh, you know, so I, I think Jokic. Embiid are locks assuming we could both we could put both of them on all NBA that that always gets murky you know I, I think Embiid might get bumped uh or Jokic maybe might get bumped to second team uh but it, it's kind of a like our SGA and Luka Doncic locked in as the first team guards I think is the question like Luka is for sure a first team guard does Donovan Mitchell have a claim to that that other spot over SGA um... I don't know it, it depends on how much you care about record things like that 
it does. That's really tough. I don't know. I think most people will just give it to Mitchell because the record's better, but mm-hmm. it'll be close. Yeah, that's a really interesting debate. Um, I, I think ideally we could make Jason Tatum a shooting guard, which he is not, but he's it, you know, it'd, be, it'd be cool <laughs> if he was. Yeah, you know, like it, it should be right. I mean, it should be Jokic Embiid, Giannis, Doncic, Tatum, right? I, like if we could make that work, I think there'd be no complaints whatsoever because I mean, Kevin Durant has played 42 games and that might be his final total. Steph Curry's played 43. LeBron's played 47. Kawhi's played 41. Uh, I mean, John Morant, uh, he'll probably finish around 60. Like there, there are so many guys who are just household names, no doubters when they're healthy, who aren't going to make an all NBA team this year. I mean, even Kyrie Irving might finish uh, around 60 games as well. Uh, there, there's just too many guys. Like Anthony Davis, of course, is in that category. I mean, Damian right. Lillard is an interesting one. I, I think yeah. the team might really drag him down, but obviously the numbers have been fantastic. And then I, I think Tyrese Halliburton, would be potentially the other consideration along with James Harden. We'll have to, we'll have to get into this at the end of the year. Yeah, we will. We're getting, we're getting way sidetracked here. <laughs> All right, let's go to, let's go to the Knicks. Yeah, let's go to the Knicks. I, I do want to make one point on the Cavs before we go to the Knicks. They have the best point differential in the NBA right now, non-garbage time. Um, and according to cleaning the glass, they should have four more wins than they actually do. They're playing at a 56 win pace currently. Um, so I think they may they may be better uh, than we even think they are, but yeah, the New York Knicks. Um, obviously, they've they've looked like a different beast since that trade. But uh, Brunson, Jalen Brunson's been out lately. They've won two in a row though. They beat LA and they beat Portland, which isn't you know it's not much to uh, to write home about. Yeah, um, Randall continues to have his his big games. Emmanuel quickly looks awesome still. RJ Barrett's picked it up. Uh, that's really important for them. I think it's basically since Brunson has gone out, um, which has been six games mm-hmm. uh, for the Knicks, uh, Barrett's averaging 24 points on 45-21-70 shooting, uh, <laughs> six rebounds, two assists. But for, him, <laughs> but for him, this is pretty solid. Uh, so that's, that's really good. And, you know, Hart stepped up. And yeah. I, obviously a really big part of this, which I think has gotten swept under the rug because – um, the things kind of turned once Hart came back. It's just Mitchell Robinson's presence is so important for this team. Having that rim protector uh, to allow the perimeter defenders, like you have great perimeter defenders out there, like quickly Josh Hart gets after it, Grimes, even though he doesn't play as much as he used to. And even if those opposing teams happen to get past those guys, you got to meet Mitchell Robinson at the rim. So I think that's been a really big aspect of their success. So the Knicks one in blowout fashion last night uh, over the Blazers. Mitchell Robinson played 21 minutes, two points, four rebounds. Uh, did you see his Instagram story after the game? Uh, this actually might've been Snapchat. No. Quote, tired AF of just being out there for cardio fam. Like I want to <laughs> play basketball, really just wasting my time and energy. Uh, wow. And then it's like a face palm emoji. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like he has like a little bit of the Andre Drummond in him like remember when Andre Drummond like insisted on like no I could shoot threes oh and then every time he every time he tried it in the game it was like disastrous like I I think I think Mitchell Robinson truly believes that he has more to his game and maybe he does I I don't think that's going to be unleashed uh with with, like three weeks left in the regular season no but I still think he's really crucial to their team I I I know he's you know upset and like I I mean the thing is I'm a Hartenstein guy like I think Hartenstein's really good but they provide such different skill sets that there's just going to be certain matchups where Robinson is going to 
like Robinson is very capable of winning you a playoff game, if not a playoff series, if he if he's in the right situation. So, um, yeah, we'll see uh, if those Andre Drummond slash Hassan Whiteside esque Instagram posts will continue. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The Brooklyn Nets, the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. We'll start with some breaking news that just hit Rotowire. Ben Simmons will not play tonight. That will be 12 <laughs> straight absences for Ben Simmons. I don't think we see Simmons again this season. No, neither do I. Neither that do I. That seems very unlikely. Uh, otherwise, the Nets are you know, kind of treading water right now. They're they're hanging around that six seed, uh, two and a half games up on Miami. My Brooklyn Nets to make the play-in tournament bet is looking a little shaky. Need the Heat to, to step on the gas here uh, a little bit. But, I mean, the Nets are, are a really fun team to watch. I, I saw them in person in Milwaukee on Thursday. They unfortunately held game. out like half of their team. Yeah, it turned into a really fun game because Milwaukee just stopped trying and started just shooting threes every single possession for a while. That was the Brook Lopez nine block game, by the way. Uh, but they've become a super fun team to watch. We, we talked last week about kind of having to recalibrate the ceiling for McCall Bridges, who just continues to score 30 points every single night when the minutes are there. He's hit multiple three-pointers now in 15 of his last 16 games. I, I had Dan Titus on the pod last week, Alex. I, I don't know if you listened to that episode, but he said yeah. he said he would take McCall Bridges like inside the top 15 next year. Um. That seemed high to me. I, well, I, I mean, we can run the numbers on it in terms of like how good of a fantasy player has he been since he joined Brooklyn, which I can, I can try to do uh, very quickly. But uh, I think 
<laughs> I mean, if you had just taken basically ever since Bridges joined the Nets, if you had taken like Bridges over points in the betting market, you would be up a good amount right now. Like he's just he's taken. I mean, especially lately, if you just go the past seven games, even even if you include the twelve minutes he played against Milwaukee in that game you were at, he's taking twenty shots a game over the past seven and and scoring twenty nine points per game. So he's been on, uh, on an absolute heater. I think the main thing for him that would kind of hurt his fantasy value would be he's just not really passing that much. Rebounds are inconsistent, but I don't know. I mean, the shooting efficiency is good. He's he, I mean, he looks, he looks really good. Yeah. Only other note I have for Brooklyn, Cam Johnson also playing well, hasn't had quite the same pop as bridges, but last 15 games, he's at 30 minutes per game, 17 points, five rebounds over a steal per game, 47% from the field and 37% from three on seven attempts. So about what we'd expect. I have the numbers. This isn't exact, but over the past three weeks per game, Mikael Bridges is 31st in fantasy. Um, This is a crazy list. He's behind Jakob Pertl somehow. Um, Box and steals, baby. Yeah. Uh, Zach Levine, sneaky, 11th best fantasy play over the past three weeks. Uh, Okay, let's go to Miami a team that I just cannot figure out. Um, they feel like Golden State East to me in some ways where it's just like every time, like you want to believe in this team so bad, you've seen it before, you know they're the proverbial team no one else wants to see, but there's also a reason we talk about them in that way. It's And it's just because they'll like lose to Orlando um, or barely beat Utah. And like Jimmy Butler continues to be great. Adebayo looks good. He has his occasional dud. Hero is more up and down, I think, than you would want, especially because since he's like effectively your third option. And I don't, I don't really know if he's that guy. Um, I guess the big news for them is that Kyle Lowry is back. Um, I, I'm almost a little surprised. I felt like his absence was maybe a little fictional, but um, he's back and he's playing. Uh, yeah, you summed it up well because. You know, Jimmy Butler has played way more games than people think. Bam Adebayo has had a great season. Tyler Hero has been healthy and essentially replicated what he did last year. So it, it feels like they should be a better team than they are, right? Like things have not really gone wrong for them. And yet they're, you know, a, a terrible offense. They're, they're only four games above 500. They've just been in this middle zone the entire year. I, I still think what you said is, is right though. Like the Celtics don't want to play the Heat in round one. They do not. They would much rather play the Nets. They'd much rather play the Hawks or the Raptors or the Wizards if we want to get all the way down there. Uh, like, they're still that team to me, partially because of who the other teams are in that zone. But, I mean, I, I still think, like, a, a Celtics-Heat series, like, I'm not – I wouldn't pick the Heat to win. I wouldn't even say it would go seven. But I, I still think Miami has it in them. For for any seven-game series, especially against Boston, like, they're, they're going to bring it if that's the matchup. Yeah, a good example of two teams. A lot of these East teams, they hate each other, man. Like, they've they've gone up against each other because they've been so good for so long. Like, you talk about the Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and Miami, and to some extent, Toronto have all been good for so long, and they've played each other so much. It's just like you can, you can feel the sort of like, even when they match up in the regular season, it's like these yeah. teams are, they're just sick of each other. Um, and I think, you know, with that comes like, the scouting reports are so precise. And so it's, it's hard to say that either team, like obviously Boston would be favored to win, but 
Uh, I think people would have to sort of give the Heat a little more respect than maybe they would if you just looked at their record surface level. I would go over one and a half ejections for that series. And that, maybe <laughs> that number would be bet up to, to two or two and a half. I'm not really sure. The Atlanta Hawks, the eight seed right now in the Eastern Conference, a thoroughly perplexing team, a, a team that is now on its second coach this season um, <laughs> since Quinn Snyder has, has taken over. Haven't really seen, you know, market results. They are two and four in their last six. <laughs> they lost to the Heat twice, then beat the Wizards twice, and have now lost to Boston and Minnesota in consecutive games. The The Minnesota game on Monday was never really close. They ended up losing that one by 21 uh, to a Wolves team that just hasn't been that good and is still missing talents. That was a little alarming. Uh, they do play the Spurs and the Pistons in two of their next three games, so so that's big. Uh, but they're to me, they're not really in danger of not making the play in. They're they're firmly in play in territory. I, I don't I don't really see them, you know, making a charge for like the six seed or anything like that. But I mean, what is this team doing? I kind of kind of like Miami. It does feel like a lot of their individual players have both stayed healthy and had pretty solid statistical years, but it's just not translating to wins. Yeah, the Quinn Snyder thing is interesting because I haven't watched a ton of Atlanta since. Quinn Snyder got there, but like you're mentioning, I also haven't seen any, any, like nobody's written about it in a way that suggests that there's any, there's big differences. And that Minnesota loss was tough. Like Anthony Edwards was dunking all over them and just like laughing the whole game. Uh, and I was like, what is going on? Uh, that's, that's tough too at home. Like you get clown like that at home. So yeah, this just feels like a team. I saw some quote from John Collins. He's like, oh, it's all just drama this season. And that's, again, what it feels like all the time is this team is just, it's just drama. And uh, when it gets like that, I think it's really hard for a team to recover, even if we like all their guys individually and they have a good coach now. And I just, to some extent, I think they know that they don't have it this year. I think they do too. I think that's why they fired their coach. And I, I don't think that Sadiq Bay coming over at the deadline is, is going to change the tides at all. No. Um, let's go with Toronto. They, uh, they're cool off a little bit. Two and four in their past six. But they're not playing too bad. We got Siakam's had two kind of stinkers in a, in a row. Has had kind of a rough like four game stretch. And Fleet's always up and down, but he's been playing pretty well lately. Pearl continues to play like, like he's, it's, it's, he's putting up double doubles every single night. The blocks numbers have sustained. Um, and even the steals numbers, he's like revived in Toronto somehow. I, I, he somehow got better after he got traded from the Spurs, which none of us were expecting. Um, Scotty Barnes had a really strong game against the Lakers the other night. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, you mentioned last or yesterday that Gary Trent is just, he's kind of like done now. Don't even get me started on Gary Trent. I I guess it's been offset by Jakoperdel and like you and I need to eat crow on this. Like we were telling everybody like trade Jakoperdel. Don't keep him on your yeah. fantasy team. Like he wherever he goes, he's going to be in a bad situation. And on paper, this is not a good situation. Like the the Raptors have a bunch of guys, but they've just installed Pirtle as like a really key piece for this team. And twelve games with Toronto, fifteen and a half points, ten rebounds, three assists, one point eight steals, one point eight blocks, seventy percent from the field. Like he has been rock solid every, uh, every single one of those games, he has multiple blocks or steals. Um, he, he's been fantastic. Wait, no, excuse me. 11 of the 12. There was one that he did not. Uh, with that said, Gary Trent, 
just, he looks lost. He looks lost. I, I was watching the other night. Uh, I think it was the Lakers game that they lost. He was like 0 for 9 from the field in, in that game. Like just, it, it kind of felt like whenever he got the ball, he was just shooting it because he just didn't know when it was going to come back around. Like he was such an important piece for this team early on. Like he had a, an amazing run back in December and January. He had a 15 game run where he was averaging 22 points per game and shooting over 40% from three. And he's, he's just completely fallen off. Um, I, I think the addition of Will Barton to that bench has sucked away some of his minutes. Uh, the usage rate is way down, but last eight games now for Gary Trent, he's averaging 10.9 points on 36% shooting, 31% from three. Is Trent's an expiring contract? Is that, that is uh... a good question. Oh, it's a, te- it's a team option for next year for $18 million. Gonna assume they turn that down. Um, yeah, I think they saw a situation where they're like, we're not as good as we want to be. And maybe this is just as simple as we sort of just like replace Gary Trent with Jakob Pertl and go big instead of small. And yeah. it, it hasn't been amazing lately, but I think the idea is right. And they, um, I, I don't think this is going to get better for Gary Trent down the stretch. No, really weird season for Toronto. I think a, a lot of people like them as a, it's like, all right, if you're not taking Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Miami, you know, who could be that team that that sneaks up and is in the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, it felt like everybody was pointing to Toronto. And, I mean, nothing has changed for them. It's, it's, it's actually kind of crazy that Miami, Atlanta, Toronto are the three teams that have kind of just been stuck in the mud literally the entire season. And they're they're the 7-8-9, and rightfully so, in the East. Uh, that brings us to the Washington Wizards. They are the 10 seed. They are 32-37. and 37. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the Wizards. They're <laughs> they're tied. They're tied with the Bulls, I guess. Uh, right now, they they have the the tiebreaker for that ten spot. Indiana is quietly just one game back. Uh, I, I think any of those three teams could end up grabbing the ten in the East. I don't know if any of them even want it. Like that, Washington and Indiana right. specifically are are not operating like teams that are planning on playing in the playoffs. So I, I actually think if I had to bet one of those teams, I think it's Chicago because I think they're the only one that cares. They, yeah, I think, I think they do care the most Um, for the, for the wizards. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, it's tough because you've actually gotten a really healthy season out of Porzingis and he's been really good. Like Porzingis is having a very strong season. I feel like I see him dunking more than ever before. He's, He's being more aggressive, which is great. But then of course, Bradley Beal can't stay healthy. It's been solid lately in terms of health. Um Kuzma missed the, uh, missed the last game. There's, you know, some Avdia, some Kispert. Kispert, I was watching that Philly-Washington game, and Kispert was just, like, he was just wide open on cuts the whole game. He had, like, two or three big dunks. It was crazy. Um, but, yeah, this team is just, like, such a – it's just so lukewarm, like you mentioned. It's just there's absolutely nothing to really get excited about. Nope. Uh, their first round pick, Johnny Davis, did score a career high 11 points last night against Detroit. That's worth mentioning. That was a game that immediately against, got out of hand against so, Bunny Bayheim. Like, correct, correct. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, by the way, we'll we'll get to them at the end. Uh, we will have some words to say about the players that are uh, playing real minutes for that team. But yeah, I mean, Washington just in a weird spot. Bradley Beal's just you know kind of chilling, being being the franchise guy on like the 11th best team in the Eastern Conference. Life is good. Let's move on to Chicago. Um, they've sort of flipped the script lately because on the season, they're the fifth ranked defense and the 23rd ranked offense. And over the past two weeks, they're the third best offense and the 26th ranked defense. 
So uh, it just continues to be confusing for them. Um, nothing is really like the addition of Beverly into the starting lineup. Uh, to me, that's just like a really uh, damning indication of how they feel about Patrick Williams. Um, not that I think he's like an awful option off the bench, but like how, you know, I don't, Beverly's been fine for them. Um, I, I have, I just have so little to say about this team. Like their big three just continues to be exactly who they have been since they came together. And all of the, the supplementary pieces give various amounts on a game to game basis of like, Hey, this guy actually looks really good tonight. Like there's some games, Kobe White's like, man, this guy's pretty good. And there's other games where it's like, should this guy even be in the league? And it feels like it's like that for down their whole roster. Dasunmu, Will Patrick yeah. Williams. Yeah, I mean, Dalen Terry has, has had a couple moments throughout the year. I, I will say the Bulls are the only team in the NFL, NFL, wow, only team in the NBA that has three players in the top 30 right now in eight-cat total value. So take that for what it's worth. Hang the banner. Yeah, I mean, I mean again, it, it kind of – you know, it's the disconnect between fantasy and real life. I mean, like DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic have all stayed healthy and all played well, and it, it just hasn't mattered. It's not a great fit. Uh, and like you said, they don't they don't have a great supporting cast. I think we it's hard to quantify how much they miss Lonzo Ball and how much Patrick Beverly is not going to make up for that. Uh, like Alex Caruso, I think they expected that he would move the needle a little bit more. He hasn't. Uh, Patrick Williams, I remember like the second week of the season – said that he thinks he could become an NBA superstar. <laughs> We're yet to see that. I, I don't Maybe it's still in there. I haven't seen it. Um, I, I do hope that we get at least a little Andre Drummond run at the end of the year where like maybe they hold Vucevic out of a game or two and he, he has like a couple 2020 games. It's a nice little throwback. They should just start playing Drummond and Vooch together. I've oh, considered picking up Drummond because he's still like, he'll play, he'll play like eight minutes off the bench and still have like seven points, eight rebounds. Drummond Drummond is in that like TJ McConnell zone where you could just play him on four game weeks, even though he's playing 15 minutes a game. And you're like, I think I'm getting value here. <laughs> if you need rebounds hundred percent, like I, because like I, I lost Steven Adams in a league and I, I thought I was getting him back. I need to gain some boards. Like I, I think I'm going to pick up Andre Drummond and just I hope that it. Vucevic misses a game or two down the stretch. Like he, consistency wise, like, like you said, he's really the only guy in the league who you can lock in for three to five rebounds, despite the fact that he's going to average 10 minutes a game. <laughs> right. This brings us to the Indiana Pacers. We are in firmly in like the sadness zone in the Eastern conference, the 12 seed Indiana Pacers, at, at least Indiana, I think has more going for it future wise than the teams like Washington and Chicago. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton obviously looks fantastic. He's going to be the future of this franchise as long as he's there. Buddy Heald, once again, having another season where he's going to finish top five in total made threes. Uh, you know, Ben Matherin, he's been hurt of late. I, I don't think they're in a rush to bring him back. He's missed the last two games. Sounds like he'll he'll likely miss a few more, but he looks like a hit as a rookie. Um, and then, of course, they locked up Miles Turner earlier this season. I Again, I, I think Indiana is kind of like Utah, OKC, Portland in the West, where if they get the 10 seed, that's great. They'll they'll try to make the playoffs if they don't, and they have a slightly better chance at jumping up into the top three. That's fine too. So I, I, like I, like I said, I think I would bet Chicago the most uh, to to grab that ten. But any of Washington, Chicago, and Indiana can end up sneaking in. I liked their gentleman's agreement with Detroit um, to sit all of their players and split the two game series. That was that was really awesome. I love I love the solidarity there. Um, 
I'm not, yeah, it's hard to, for me to decipher how many of these injuries are real because they basically sat everybody for those two games. But the, you know, the latest reports are like, well, these guys practiced and they're probably, they might be questionable for the upcoming game. So it's like, who knows? Um, but I mean, one, I guess one bright spot. Well, first of all, if this keeps up, you just have to keep an eye on Isaiah Jackson. Clearly, yes. Rick Carlisle hates him and has hated him all season. But he only needs 25 minutes a game to be to be relevant in fantasy. So you have to just watch list him and, and see what happens. But also Jordan Wara um has been really strong for them lately. I yeah. don't I I've I wasn't like anti-Jorgen Dewara as a Bucks fan. It just didn't feel like he was great within the system. And I think the Bucks just wanted guys with more experience that they could rely on. Um, like Crowder. I think that makes sense for the playoffs. But Wara over the past eight games, in only 24 minutes a game, is averaging 15 points, four boards, two and a half assists, and a steal. He's been very fantasy relevant, at least for I don't know, I don't know if he's a 12 team guy, but 16 team leagues, yeah, you should he should probably be on a roster or at least watch listed. I, I think Indiana is sneakily trying to find its way into the fifth best odds. They're they're only three games behind Orlando for that title. And there are other teams vying for it. Believe me. I mean, they're going to have to beat out. They have to beat out Washington, Orlando, possibly Chicago, Portland, uh, you know, maybe Utah, New Orleans out West. Right. But I, that, that, I think that's what they're doing here. And they have a really difficult schedule the rest of the way. They have the second most difficult schedule remaining. Uh, so I, I think maybe that's part of the calculation as well. Like they really only play two more bad teams the rest of the way. They play Charlotte next Monday and then game 81 is Detroit. Other than that, it's Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, Boston, Atlanta, Dallas, Milwaukee, OKC, Cleveland, New York, New York. That's So I, I think they're looking tough. at that and they're saying, like, we have no chance here. We might as well, even if it's only a, an incremental movement in terms of lottery odds, like, why not? Yeah, it would be tough for them to come out. Uh, 500 would be a miracle uh, in, uh, through that stretch. And I think, I think they can still feel like, hey, we – we can take the season away, improve our draft odds, and this season was still a success for us. We understand that yeah. when Halliburton plays, we're a 500 team. Turn Miles Turner had a career year. Uh, Matherin was a hit, and we were pretty good. And so I think they could do both things. Um, so that's that's very possible. They were 23 and 18 when Halliburton yeah. got hurt. Yeah, again, I mean, ga- uh, games he's played there. What are they now? 28 and 26 when he plays. So um, he's been amazing for them. Uh, okay, let's move on to Orlando. You alluded to them in the sort of tanking category, although they have not, there's no suspicious injury reports coming out of uh, coming out of Orlando. They've just been playing their guys and they have been losing. Um, Bancaro was pretty cold for a stretch. I think the last time we talked about Bancaro, you had written a rookie's piece. And he was on a pretty cold stretch. He's heated back mm-hmm. up. Um, in March, he's officially shooting 39% from three and 45% for the field. That's great. Still needs to improve his free throw percentage a little bit. Fultz continues to look great. Carter came back from an injury. Um, you know, the, the sort of Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, uh, you know, backcourt, like one of them has a great game. The other one plays badly, but... I, I like the combination of them because one of them's going to hit on a, a, a given game. But Suggs had a really strong performance the other night against Miami, yep, which was great. Was Sixteen points on ten shots, five boards, four assists, four steals, and three blocks. And Suggs has at least one steal 
uh, in seven straight games, which is exactly the kind of thing he needs to do to, to kind of stay in the rotation here. Yeah, he's he's been a nice little bright spot at the end of the year. Still has some some pretty major deficiencies. You know, the shooting has not been fantastic by any means, but it's been a little bit better of late. Uh, I mean, he's up to like 32% from three this season, which sounds bad, but considering he was at 21% last year, is actually a nice little bump. Uh, still has missed a ton of time. He's on pace to play uh, around like 55 games. Uh, but yeah, he, he's looked fine. You know, Chumo Kiki, their first round pick, I was it 2019 or 20? Because he, he ended up missing his rookie year. Oh, wait, no, that was, yeah, yeah 2019, 2019. Uh, you know, he he just hasn't been a part of the rotation. He's no. had the knee still bothering him the entire year. He didn't play at all from Thanksgiving all the way until the trade deadline. He's, you know, gotten a few minutes here and there. But to me, that's just kind of looking like a lost pick. And, you know, not like major, major draft capital, but still a first rounder. I, I think he's probably off the roster. I, I don't know where they stand on, on his team option for next season, but I, I think he's probably gone. Yeah, what they so they drafted him 16th. He slipped because of injury, right? Or did yeah. he? He got okay. hurt, I think, either in the NCAA tournament or in the SEC tournament. Right. So, yes, they only invested a 16th pick in him, but their his value is sort of higher than that. So it is a disappointment that he hasn't yeah. been able to figure it out. Um, but, it, I mean, there's they've made up for it with the Bancaro and the Wagner picks. And, uh, excuse, uh, yeah, so... They uh they're gonna continue to lose games here down the stretch, yeah. but I think they're in a really good position as a franchise. Well, the, the tough thing with Okiki is it's one of those picks where if you go back and look at the draft and you say, man, oh. who who could we have had next two picks? Nikhil Alexander Walker and Goga Batadze. <laughs> well, Batadze is actually <laughs> on the roster right now, so that you know they uh <laughs> they got their guy. They got they got their guy, and uh, yeah. I, Alexander Walker, too. He's kind of done, isn't he? I think he might be, man. Both of those guys. I mean, Batadze might be done, too. Uh, after that, it was Lucas Samanich, who is, I think he's played like two NBA games. And then Matisse Thibel, Brandon Clark, Grant Williams. Nice little run there. Uh, but, you know, you're not talking like missing major value. I, I guess we could say they, they should have taken Jordan Poole. He's like the next like real player to come off the board. But that was uh, that, that was a pretty rough draft in a lot of ways. That was the, the Zion Morant RJ draft. Very, very hit or miss. Oh, I mean, yeah. there were there were some big time misses in that lottery. I want to take back a little bit of what I said about Nikhil Alexander Walker. He's actually been in the rotation the past eight games for t- the Timberwolves. I've not yeah. realized it, and he's playing fine. So, uh, <laughs> shout out, <laughs> shout out to NAW. <laughs> Went from out of the league to actually, he might be kind of good. I, I mean, well, the thing is, the problem like he was not playing for Utah, and it's like no. if you're not playing for Utah, uh, really, what's going on here? So. I don't know. I mean, I he's got some upside left, but yeah, I, I, he's uh, benefited from from Jalen Noel and and Austin Rivers I think being hurt. But yeah, yeah he's young enough; he'll he'll stick around. We're, we're getting totally off track. The Charlotte <laughs> Hornets, the 14th seed right now in the Eastern Conference, they are seven games behind Orlando, and they are five and a half games ahead of Detroit. So they're pretty much locked into the 14 right now, uh, and they are pretty much locked into not being in the bottom three as well. They, they went on that, was it four or five game winning streak right after the break? Like, what are you, yep. what are you doing? What are you thinking? And that, that might be the difference for them. Um, maybe they don't see, you know, odds wise that that big of a difference between third and fourth, I, I guess, technically, you know, it's like if, if they really wanted to take this thing, like maybe, maybe if the Spurs or the Rockets keep winning, like they've been doing this week, uh, they, they could get interesting, but in all likelihood, <laughs> Charlotte is going to take this entire season, 
not really have much of a young core, and then somehow not even get into the bottom three. It's tough. Uh, they, over the past two weeks, have somehow a 105 offensive rating, which I didn't know it was even possible to be that bad on offense over a, over a two-week stretch. Um, they just cannot – they can't get anything going at all. I don't even know what you say about this team. Mark Williams has been out. Pick up Nick Richards, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they it's tough because you lose Miles Bridges and then LaMelo Ball gets hurt and it puts you in a really tough position. Um, but you're right. I mean, I mean, there's still a chance to get Webbanyama. I mean, the, the odds are pretty flat, you know, for the lottery these days. So I, I if, if, if their goal was to sort of tank it away here towards the end, they're doing fine. But you're I think right, maybe their core isn't great. Yeah, well, maybe they didn't realize what they were up against, you know, with teams like Houston and San Antonio, Detroit. Yeah. They're like, look, we're, we're tanking, but man, like we, we, you guys are really tanking. I mean, they do still have decent veterans. Like that's the difference between Charlotte and especially those two teams out West is like the Rockets have no veterans at all on the entire roster. I guess Frank Kaminsky is technically on the team right now. The Spurs, kind of the same thing. I, I don't think they have, do they have a single true veteran? Am I, am I, eh, I guess Doug McDermott, sure. Probably he's probably the same age as Frank. Gorgie uh, J. But yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. I got names, dude. I yeah, got is names. that like potential starting center the rest of the way, Gorgie Jang? Um, but yeah, I mean, like Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward, uh, even PJ Washington, like not quite a veteran, but a, a solid NBA starter. Like they they have like more win now pieces than any 22 win team should have. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't trade a lot of them, but I think I think in their heads, they're like, well, next year. And we get this really good draft pick and maybe, you know, maybe we find a way to finesse Miles Bridges back onto this roster because we, we got rid of McDaniels, freed up some money, and now we're back in business. I don't believe that necessarily, but that's a route they might be trying to get into. Interesting situation if they get the number two pick. Like you don't, yeah. you just take Scoot, right? And figure it out. I don't know. I mean, are you a, I, I've been hearing buzz of, uh, about, uh, is it Brandon Miller? Is that his last name? Brandon Miller, yeah, he's uh, I mean, he's the he's the Alabama guy, and then there's the the Thompson twins are kind of considered the other contenders. You, but I, in my opinion, it's still I think like Miller has definitely closed the gap, and he like, taking him at two wouldn't be crazy, but I, I still think Scoot is like considered the guy in terms of like long term upside. Right, I know, you know, I've read some stuff. The concerns about Scoot are like his efficiency, and and some people were I think it was Gavoni was saying that he he hasn't been impressed with his sort of like does he want it kind of a thing like he does he have that dog in him Jonathan Gavoni says Scoot Henderson does not have that <laughs> dog in him um that should have been a post at NBA Central or something yeah I uh yeah, 100% um but he he did deal with injuries for a lot of the year and I to some extent like I think the part of the benefit that the the guys get who go to college is that for all of its faults, I think college basketball has a ton of structure and that could, that is on and off court structure to an extent. And I, I just wonder what is the G league ignite? Like what is the sort of, what's the, what's the accountability in the G league ignite? You know what I mean? What's the kind of like, Hey, we're going to hold Scoot Henderson accountable to running the offense the way we want the offense run for the G league ignite. So I think, there's just going to be a lot of situations where these guys numbers don't look that great, at least efficiency wise, too many turnovers, stuff like that, but may not be as indicative of their potential as, as we think. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I, I've been meaning to listen to that Gavoni pod. It's been in the queue the last couple of days. Uh, but I mean, if, if Brandon Miller, I mean, Alabama's the number one overall seed in the tournament. Like if he, if he leaves that team to the final four or certainly the national championship, like him going number two would not be crazy whatsoever. Uh, so that, that's a good point. But I, I'm just never a fan of teams drafting for need inside the top yeah. three. I feel like we've seen that time and time again. And in general, it's just, it's just not a good idea. I mean, I think the most recent example and who knows if this actually played into it all that much, but like the warriors with Wiseman over LaMelo, um, like anytime you're doing that, like I think, especially in the modern NBA, like you could, you could always find a spot for a guy. Yeah. That's funny because they were the, the Warriors aren't even like a team that loves having a traditional center. So they were like, <laughs> we don't well, yeah. we don't want to draft LaMelo because it's, we have Curry, but so we end up drafting Wiseman and we don't even like playing a real center. Um, so I don't know. Let's, uh, let's move on to the, the Pistons who uh, they're, they're ready. My God, this team is ready. Um, Boyan, I don't know why they haven't rolled this guy out for the whole year. Like what, 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 what would result in Bojan playing another game for this team? I have no idea. You got Ivy's missed three games in a row. Bagley's missed two in a row. Stewart hasn't played in like a month or you know two weeks. Diallo hasn't played. Burks has been out. Um, it's just like, it's, it's never ending. This team has seven, eight guys missing every single night. You got Duran and Wiseman who both play center as like your pieces of the future that you're throwing out there. Uh, Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder are playing huge minutes for this team. Um, Omar Rui looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Watch list him in fantasy, I guess. Um, I just don't know. <laughs> like, are they going to keep playing Corey Joseph and Magruder? Because if they want to sit these guys, then you're getting like, you, I mean, then we're, then we're delving into like 30 minutes a game for RJ Hampton and 20 minutes a game for Buddy Bayon. I was shocked alarmed, dismayed, troubled when I checked that box score last night and Buddy Beheim played 23 minutes. That is wild. That, I mean, we, this time of year, we, we see things like this in the past. That's one of the more unlikely players to ever play 20 minutes in an NBA game that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, that was crazy. I mean, part of this is they actually they actually have injuries to guys that they want to be playing right now. Like Marvin Bagley's yeah. hurt, Isaiah Livers is hurt, and Hamid Diallo are all hurt. Those, those would be like 30 minute a night guys right now. So that is, that's why we're seeing the buddy Bayhives and Jared Rodins of the world playing minutes off this bench. That's why Rodney Magruder is playing 38 minutes and like doing nothing with those minutes. But no, I, I actually grabbed Omarui in a, a daily league and I threw him out there last night. Didn't give me much, uh, but Jared Allen was ruled out. I, I needed a last second sub and I was like, sure, I might as well just throw him in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, this team, I, I like, is there any of these guys that you trust on like a weekly basis at this point? Because I, I think Jaden Ivey might come back at some point. I, I, I don't see them shutting him down. He, he was in COVID protocols. Uh, I don't know if he had a, another minor injury. I don't think so. I think he was just in health and safety. Uh, so he could come back as soon as tomorrow, Thursday against Denver, at which point, you know, Killian Hayes becomes a little bit dicier, but uh, back to the original question, like, are you comfortable starting James Wiseman in a weekly league? or Jalen Duran or, you know, Isaiah livers when he's healthy. Yeah. I trust all the young guys, like the, what they perceive to be like are either our young core or young guys. We want to give a chance. So you mentioned it, Duran, Bagley, Killian, Ivy livers, Wiseman. I'm actually fine with those guys. Like even Diallo, who's had kind of a sneaky good season this year. Um, absolute monster in transition. Um, he's, he's really, yeah. he's really improved this year. Uh, other than that, no, I don't trust a lot of those guys. And um, 
I don't. Stewart's kind of tough to assess, but um, yeah, that those names I rattled off at the beginning, I actually I do trust those guys. Well, anything else on the Pistons or any other Eastern Conference teams <laughs> that you want to circle back on? Um, no, I, not off the top of my head. How about you? Not too much. Not too much. Frustrating times in the world of fantasy basketball, that's for sure. But but also fun. I mean, if, if you have the time to like really put in the research or you're in a daily league, it, it could be a lot of fun uh, kind of you know, playing. It basically just feels like you're playing like a slot machine sometimes uh, with, with some of these bad teams and just plugging guys in. Uh, but yeah, I, I remain very worried about a, a few of my key assets in some leagues about shutdowns. Uh, but at this point, I, I'm just, I just want to get to the playoffs. You know, like it, it's going to be fun to see how the seating breaks down, especially in the East. Uh, but I, I, I just, yeah. I can't wait till we get into these series and, and the games, you know, really start to matter. I agree. 